I know everybody on this call, so, <laughs> so I'm just so blessed and honored that um, we reached out to you guys and you guys were more than happy to participate in this project. Truly, it is an honor. And so Shari and I have been working on this and we're really trying to reach out to the people that we know, the people of the community, the people that are just everyday people. And we are contributing to the culture of Toronto, of Canada. So um, what that looks like as Afro people. And so I'm really, really um, blessed and lucky to have you guys uh, with us today to share this platform. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I can't wait to get this discussion started because listen here, I feel like we have so much to talk about. So <laughs> we're gonna get this up and popping. So I'm going to officially kick things off. Um, so again, welcome. I'm your host, Joe, joined by my partner in Discovery, Shari, and we are the ladies behind Unpacked Dialogues. Before we get to unveil and unpack the topic at hand, we would like to acknowledge the land that we are on. The critical land acknowledgement that we will be reciting has been adapted by uh, Ezi Odazal. You can find her on IG at Echo Library. Uh, this land has been a site of human activity for 15,000 years. This land is a territory of the Huron, Wendat, and Patun First Nations, the Seneca, and most recently, um, the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nations. The territory was the subject of the Dish with, dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, an agreement between the Iroquois Confederacy and Confederacy of the Ojibwe and Allied Nations to peaceably share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. Today, the meeting place of Toronto is still the home to many indigenous people from across Turtle Island, and we are grateful to have the opportunity to work in the community and on this territory. So beyond simply acknowledging our presence here, it is important for us, each of us, to reflect on the significance of the land as a living place. It is also important for us as settlers or as displaced people to think about our responsibilities to those first stewards, the indigenous peoples of this land. So let no land acknowledgement, let no, go day, no day go by where you do not think about and live up to those responsibilities. So the topic that we will be unpacking on today's episode is Black Business Evolution in Canada. Um, so for frame of reference, we're going to be specifically speaking to Toronto. And today we are joined by three entrepreneurs hailing from the West End. Big up yourself. Uh, <laughs> so first we have our girl Jamila. Uh, owner of Belmar Events, which has been in operation for three years. We next have our boy Duane, owner of West End Exchange, which has been in operation for two years. Um, and we have, last but not least, our boy Sam, owner of S6 Cleaning in operation for five years. And he is also owner of Sam Juices, which he has been operating for about a year. 
So we have a variety of different industries represented today. So we got from clothing to cleaning services to event planning to, you know, juices. We got it all. So this is very exciting. We also have law. And we got law. We right. got law represented. We got our, our queen out here who's, uh, you know, Jamila of all trades. So right, right. she's out here. <laughs> true, true. I'm sorry. That's very true. So um, with that being said, I like to first big up the various roots that are being represented on this call today. So tell me where y'all repping. I'm going to start off with Sam. What are what uh, roots are you repping? Uh, Jamaica, man. I'm a yard man to the day I die, you know, so family, everybody, you know, Jamaica in the house. <laughs> All right, Sam. Jam, where are you repping, girl? I'm repping the great, great Black Star Power. I'm repping Ghana. And Ghana, GH. All right. right. <laughs> I'm my mother on, um, unaddressed. I'm a repping Guyana, too. So the two Gs. Okay, double um, G. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on both sides of the world. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Thank you so much, girl. And Dwayne, where are you repping, Dwayne? Hey, Jamaica, is it? From Ghana, <laughs> is it? Oh dear, Sammy, big up yourself, my lad. Okay, all right. We got the Jamaica. Wait, sorry, we got Jamaica in the building. We got Ghana and Guyana in the building. Shari, where are you repping, girl? Well, you already know Jamaica versus the world out here, right? <laughs> so, is it me? Wadea. Bullet. That's what's up. The black, yellow, sorry, black, gold, and green, right? That's what we say. Black, gold, and green, all right. That's and all we last, know, baby. That's all you, right, that's all we know. Last but not least, we got Haiti in the building. That's what I'm Not passe. <laughs> not passe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, with that being said, the views and opinions expressed on this platform are those of the participant and do not necessarily reflect all experiences and views of the African, Caribbean, and Black community. Any content provided by our participants are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, anyone or anything. So this is completely, um, you know, individual freedom of expression on this platform, all right? So with that being said, we got some, we got different tenures with the businesses that you are all owning. So I'm going to put the question out there. Um, how did you raise the funding to start your business? That's what we're going to start off with. I'll go first. Um, I, as, as you said in the beginning, I'm Jamila of all trades. So I've worked in many different facets and forums and different types of jobs. So I saved money to start my own business. And then I had, I was fortunate enough to be a part of a program that is not, it's not black operated, but um, you know, it definitely provided a platform for a lot of black youth and young entrepreneurs. And it's called, it's through, um, through a program called yes, which is youth employment services. Right. And essentially throughout that process, you get paid to kind of develop your business. And I fortunately was able to be a part of that. And I also was fortunate because I took, I used that money that was given to us, like we got a stipend to, and I saved it. So over the whole course okay. of the program, which is about six months, um, you make about $10,000. Okay. 
So oh, I was okay. able to save it. So none of my paychecks I spent, I didn't spend till the end. So once mm -hmm. it came to the end, I then basically put that money back into my business in terms of getting like loans and those type of stuff. I didn't qualify because most of the times the criteria was that you had to be in operation for a minimum of two years. And at that time I wasn't. And um, yeah, I mean, trying to get people to sponsor you and invest in you is hard. Like you're selling them on, a, on your dream. So that was another avenue that definitely was a struggle for me. Um, but yeah, that's how I basically raised the capital to uh, invest in my business. And then I also had a job. I work. Sam, did you have something to say? Um, I pretty much similar, similar to her. I actually worked a full-time job. So when I originally started uh, the cleaning, I was literally just kind of grinding at my full time and I just kind of saved up literally as much as I can. Um, the great thing about the cleaning business is that the, the overhead cost is, is very, it's very minimal. Like to start the cleaning business, you really just need a broom, a dustbin and some cleaning supplies. Right. So, I mean, that's a quick Walmart run. You can go to Walmart, spend maybe about, you know, a hundred bucks to get you some good gloves, some good uh, mops and stuff like that. So it's not until you actually get to a, a level where you have, a lot of bigger contracts, then you start like making accounts with cleaning suppliers where you start getting product and stuff like that. So for me, I was fortunate in that case where I didn't have to shell out as much money. You know what I mean? So whatever I made from full time, I could just put aside every paycheck to just buy whatever I needed per contract. Um, in regards to the cleaning business, I, what I did was leverage money from my, um, sorry, the juice business, leverage money from my cleaning business. And I would put away to the side to start my, uh, my juice business with my truck. And I was able to pretty much do that and and so on so that's pretty much how I, I pretty much got on my fun day yeah so pretty much <laughs> just like Jamila and Sammy I have a I have a full-time job uh, I'm grinding basically to save up the capital to fund my business so at the end of the day I I could have went to lenders I could have applied for loans and programs but I almost want to accept the challenge no disrespect to anyone that got funding or anything but i'm just taking it on myself to kind of all money in you know what i mean every penny that i make goes into my business and every penny i make off my business goes back into my business you know what i mean so it's kind of self-funded just recycling profits Sorry, I'm about to say that that's that Nipsey Hustle mentality, all money in, so. <laughs> all day, all day. <laughs> that's what's yeah. up. So would you say that there were any fun, other funding challenges that came up throughout this whole process for you guys? I know Sam was saying like, not so much, but I, again, you guys, I hear you, Dwayne, you were working at the same time. Jamila, you were working at the same time. Like. Were there any other challenges that came up for you while you were trying to navigate like starting your business and even like thinking about like your vision and all that stuff like how did that even come to fruition um i'll go again uh, for me i'm a parent so i have kids so definitely i have to manage how i spend and you know given that i worked to put money back into the business it's it, it's just about balancing and like budgeting you know what i mean so not overspending there's a lot of things that i wanted to invest in but thank god that like i did research and realized that like you don't have to invest in these things right away like i definitely want max profits to come in and out of my business and um so i try to avoid where when i can like not having to use like secondary suppliers and so so forth so i try to own like big things so that like i can get the profits from renting it individually and or using it at a specific event for my event planning 
with my law practice, like, to be honest, apart from like licensing and those type of things, the cost is very minimal. Like it's, it's managing clients and then just making sure you have a good bookkeeper and that you're, you know, following the guidelines and the rules and um, obligations that you have with respect to m maintaining the license. But for the event planning, it was just kind of the obstacles that I faced was that I wanted so much. I wanted a lot of things and I wanted to buy them now. You know what I mean? Like, especially when things are on trend, you want to get on it early so that even when you're ready to resell it, you could still sell it back or like, you know, get rid of it in a time where it's still useful. And I did, definitely didn't have the capital to do a lot of that because the initial cost of certain things are so high. So that was my initial struggle. But then I just learned that, you know, I rent and then maybe I'll tack on a, a service fee or an acquisition fee. That's how I make some sort of profits. But that was the only other challenge I faced. I would say for me, um, it's something similar to that. Um, obviously, you know, the, the greater and bigger the cleaning contract is, is the better equipment you need. Any job you do, one thing I learned in life is that you need the proper tools to get it done, right? So if I'm going to go take on, for example, a big restaurant cleaning job, those Walmart tools aren't going to cut it. You know what I mean? Those are more for smaller jobs. But for me, it's like I didn't have money to get a, for example, floor scrubber machine, which costs like $2,500, right? I didn't have that up front to do that because I was also trying to balance with work, had my own personal bills, might have had a mortgage to pay, things of that nature, right? So I had to go to resources just like that and renting. I was literally renting some of my equipment for the first year and a half. So just to take jobs, I would literally quote the job and then I would factor in the rental costs of the actual machine to get the job done. And then obviously if I hire a guy for the day, well, obviously the labor and all those things, right? So I, I believe that I could say is definitely one of the biggest struggles at the start is to come up with that upfront money when you're just starting out to get certain things to get the job done properly. Basically in terms of uh, funding issues, like I said, it's all, pretty much self-funded recycled money so the, the problem will be problem anyone has in everyday life basically you know what i mean just you have your bills you have your income you know what i mean but then you have that thing that you're trying to do on the side so like jamila was saying earlier you have to learn how to budget in your head so that you can cover all your bases or else you're going to eventually wear yourself too thin and i think that was just the biggest issue at first, I was kind of wearing myself a little bit too thin, you know what I mean? In terms of trying to get all my shirts, trying to get all my hats, trying to get everything printed. And I just had to take a step back, you know what I mean? And just come with a smarter approach, which was to just balance, your, balance the investment in the business, you know what I mean? So it doesn't make you too tight outside of the business, you know what I mean? That's amazing foresight for everyone. I, I already, I think anyone that's listening that's trying to start their journey in a business world is that's a, a body of information and a wealth of information that people can 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 take and possibly apply to their personal endeavor. So that's dope. Thank you so much. I just wanted to ask quickly, um, sorry, very quickly, because I hear a lot of figuring out and self-learning. Like you are going through the, like you're going through the your own, um, through you're grinding your own wheels, right? Did you ever at one point reach out to anybody within the community to, you know, somehow get some form of support with regards to like building that financial, um, you know, that financial foundation with regards to starting a business. Um, did you get a chance to do that? And if so, how did that go? And if not, what, did you have any reservations? 
Yeah, I will answer on that. I would say for me, starting the business, when you start out in your first year or whatever, maybe your first couple of years, you're not fully educated on the resources that are out there, right? Um, it's not until, to be honest, with all this Black Lives Matter stuff started, I found out that they had all these different funds and grants for Black businesses. And I, and I didn't know that until something like this happened, right? So, like, I was just doing my business trying to, you know what I mean? obviously get by and do my things uh but now i'm getting educated that's the biggest thing is us being educated right it's like yeah it's okay to have your business and do your things but are you educated on the things and resources that are going to help you push forward to that next level right and there is a lot of resources that are out there even for young black entrepreneurs like all three of us you know what i mean and that will help us get to to where we need to get to right like things that will be granted to us so that we can kind of elevate our business to where it needs to be so i think it's just the educational part at the start for sure uh, Jamila, can you speak to just let's tie in that piece of what Sam is saying about education, maybe from your experience, you can touch a bit further about a resource that was used that you were able to um, use and to support in some in some factor when so, it comes to your business. So through the YES program, I learned about different grant processes and grants that are available. They're very competitive. And like, I mean, I feel like people need to invest in grant writers and grant assistants because they're not something that you can just kind of throw together. I definitely have the gift of gab, so I can definitely wing it and like talk a good game. But to write through some of those grant applications were like, man, like really? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then like, there's actually like a, what's the word I'm looking for? There's actually like a, like a, a way to do it. You know what I mean? Like calling the grant officers and just kind of building relationships so that like your application is uh, like looked for. So like, a full process. You know what I mean? So there's definitely that process. And then like, you know, I think we've been given the short end of the stick in, cert in certain ways. And like only now, like for example, Justin Trudeau's rolling out like and seeing like black businesses need to, you know, get on the up and up. Like we deserve a chance too. So I think the process of finding those grants and being uh, available, that information being available was very lack lacking. And I think that's the struggle is like, how do we get there? How do we get that information? Like, why aren't we, why, why, like, why, is there a body of people or a group of people that can, like, send that information out constantly and push that into the community so that we're aware, like, throughout COVID, there were a couple of grants that came out, and, like, I didn't catch them till the ending, like, somebody was like, hey, Jamil, I thought of you, um, check out this grant application, and I'm, like, literally filling it out at the ninth hour, like, you know what I mean, so, there's that, um, I just kind of think it's doing your research, as Sam was saying, like, kind of, like, educating yourself, um, don't limit yourself, again, loans aren't the only avenue to get funding grants are available there's also programs that you know they want to hear your story they want to hear how you started they want to hear like you know what i mean and they believe in a passion and a dream and they want to kind of support you so looking for those people another thing too that i find is um when reaching out to the community i had a hard time just like kind of breaking bread with people i feel like everything was a competition like so people in my industry i was offering them free labor like i was like listen you got me I'm willing to work for you for two to three months. No problem. You don't got to pay me. I just want experience. I want to understand the business. You know what I mean? And it was just like crickets. People were not getting back to me. Um, and when they did get back to me, they kind of had their reservations. Like I was going to steal their trade secrets and run away with it. And it was kind of like, no, not, not, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking to partner with our community. I'm looking to build with our community. And, you know, I don't believe in the crab in a bucket mentality. Um, and I believe that there's plenty of work to go around. Of course, there's always going to be natural business competition but it's everything isn't a competition that's just my thoughts do anyone weigh in on this between these two fine entrepreneurs i'm pretty sure they covered everything 
because in terms of the the clothing brand it's it's a little bit different there's no real outreach like you know what i mean it's almost like a a self-belief you know what i mean it's like you make the brand you can't really go to anybody and get them to validate it yeah they can give you exposure but you know what i mean but at first i have to build that foundation before i can go out and that foundation like sammy and jimmy lebo said is knowledge in your field right if you're not constantly learning in your field constantly being innovative and constantly just paying attention to your market then you're going to fall behind no matter how amazing your idea is um and this is not one of our listed questions but it came up that whole idea of subscribing to her not so savory um piece to business ownership and being a part of the acb community so the african caribbean black community and trying to thrive is that there's this element of this crab in the bucket that someone's actually pulling us down i've seen many memes pictures about this so i'd love for to hear your opinion about it uh for anyone that would like to weigh in on it in your business, in your success, in moving forward? Is it a hurdle? Is it even significant in the work that you've done or even just your experiences that you've had so far? Um, Dwayne said something about you have to believe in your business yourself. And I think that's the easy part. I think, you know, believing in your own business is the easy part. Like, you know, with the crab in a bucket mentality, like it's not just the other business owners, it's also the consumers as well. Like, they like, you know, nickeling and diming and just, you know, like discounts all the time. And, or like, for example, you know, sometimes I reach out to businesses and I'm like, you know, let's collaborate. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let, let you have some things that I, that I, I like, and I have some things that you like, like, let's work together. And it's like, they don't want to put the money out there. They don't want to, they don't want to front their end of it. And it's kind of like, oh, they want to be paid for like that collaboration where it's like, we could benefit more of coming together on the the initial state stages so that we can work together in the future and get you know further contributions or investments or whatever the case may be i think it's a it's a huge hurdle in our community I, I like the community as a whole like i no matter what business you do i think you know we we're kind of suffering still from the post-traumatic slavery like it's just this whole thing of like you know who's in the house who's in the field like you know what i mean like I'm better than you. And it's just like, it, it doesn't always have to be like that. You know, business is business for sure. And like, it definitely has its competition, but like most businesses aren't the Googles of the world. Most businesses aren't Amazon. So it's not like we're brokering these tens of million dollar deals. Like sometimes it's like a couple hundred dollars and people are like literally trying to cut, cut, cut you, like cut you by your knees. And I think, you know, our community needs to work on communication with each other and like, you know, building with each other, like literally building intercommunity, like truly building intercommunity. That's our struggle. Like we're the crab in a bucket mentality is like we pull each other down, but then when we go to other communities to consume, we're just we're just ready to throw money at it. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, you know, other people have different experiences. I don't dwell too much on it. It doesn't stop me, but it's definitely a huge hurdle that we have to overcome collectively. Thank you, Jamila. Um, Dwayne, Sam, any, Jamila, that was dope. That I, I totally articulated a lot of the things that I'm sure that probably resonated with all the folks on the line here, but please, the floor is, is yours, y'all. Brothers, yeah. what do you think? I totally, I totally agree with her. Like, I mean, like she's, she said all of it, you know, but I, I my own experiences with that is just especially doing like cleaning jobs in the community and trying to work with people of our kind and stuff like that. And I, I remember one one time going and I quoted a job for a, a brother that I know he wanted some stuff done and um, obviously I want to help my kind you know what I mean at the end of the day I want to be there 
for you guys. But I remember even the job, for example, costing $500 and him looking at me and saying, Hey, like, you know, can you give me the job for like 150, 200 bucks? And it's like, for me too, I take it as a disrespect thing too, because it's like, I have, I value my work. And at the end of the day, I, I know what my work is worth. And I, and I, and I totally believe in the product that I'm going to provide and the service. Right. So it's like, it was one of those like, Oh, we're both black. We should help each other out. But it's just like, we can't keep going through that whole mentality that we're both black because we're not going to, none of us are going to get anywhere. You know what I mean? We both got to value each other's. I'm not trying to say you can't help out your people for sure, but we also still got to start putting value and respect on, I feel like our, our brothers and our sisters, uh, businesses and ventures also, you know? So I think that's something that holds, holds, holds us back in a sense. But other than that, I mean, once you believe in your own thing and you're in your own lane, I mean, you got to make, you got to make stuff happen, you know? I just wanted to add one more thing to that. You know, we got to stop compromising our industries by like nickeling and diming. You know what I mean? Like if you set the price, that's the price. Like you got to be firm because for example, you don't go to Walmart and bargain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Apart if you have a coupon, sure, but you're not going into Walmart like, oh, can I get this for like two more dollars cheaper? No, it's if it's five ninety seven, it's five ninety seven. Don't have the coupon? Sorry, sir. Okay, so people need to really stand firm in their position and their pricing and their evaluation of their services and products and their business because once you start compromising that, everything else starts to get compromised. So that's my only other addition. Yeah, and I feel that we have to change the narrative of what support in the actual Black community is, right? Support in the Black community isn't necessarily just supporting your business. Like Jamila and Sammy are both saying, sometimes it is paying the full price. You know what I mean? That is support. Because that's saying I 100% support your vision instead of I support your vision with a discount. You know what I mean? So if I charge full, if I charge you full price, my vision isn't worthy. Like you know what I mean? You can't put a dollar amount on something that you work so hard to get up and running and make sustainable at the end of the day. So I Can feel I, like go ahead. I just want to slide in. No, but please finish your point about sustainable yeah. sustainability. Let's go. Yeah, I just I just basically feel that that's it. Like we have to change that narrative. Because discounts don't make things sustainable. Okay. Meeting your profit margins and meeting your percentages is what makes your business sustainable at the end of the day. So quick question before we move on to another question um, in regards to discounts and support. So there's no secret that our community, uh, there's a group of people, there's um, a portion of our community that have um, access, like issues when it comes to access, issues when it comes to resources. That, um, a lot of uh, individuals that look like us are living in priority areas. A lot of people are unfortunately are disproportionately affected in a lot of negative and um, uh, statistics. Um, so with that being said, we can have a, a brother and sister or a little homie that wants to support your thing and wants to have all that beautiful um, decor or wants that legal aid or wants to get their things clean or have some yummy juice. But unfortunately, when they look at their bills or when they look at the, what they got in their pockets, it's just ain't there. So what do we have to say about that? Because it's not, we can't be blinded to that, to know that we are community and people that look like us in this country, there's an issue there. No, I, 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 sure. I, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I, I was just, I was just going to say, I think it's more of a communication thing. Like, instead of, for me, it's like, 
for example, if we use that same gentleman that I, I was with, um, instead of him kind of trying to like pull the wool over my eyes in a sense and go for that low, that low um, amount that he asked for, I, I think there needs to be a communication in a sense where it's like, look, Sam, I just don't have it. I'd rather go and help somebody and clean somewhere for free, knowing that they really genuinely just don't have it, than you literally trying to cut my, my, my price in half. You know what I mean? So I think there should be more of an open conversation um, that's, that's out there where it's like I can go around and say, hey, Jamil, I don't have this. Can I use your services? Maybe, maybe next time get back to you or can you help me out here on this front? So I think it's more of a communication thing in my opinion. 100% agree. Um, I just want to add to that, Sam, holla at me next time you're doing your friend of a friend of event. I wanted to say <laughs> that earlier. Um, but in terms of the discounts, I have no problem giving discounts. You know what I mean? But there's this expectation that we have to shake. It can't be an expectation. Like, like Walmart is a business, like I'm a business and I pay my bills from my business. I started my legal practice to help uh, underprivileged, marginalized groups, our community access legal resources on a, from affordable pers from an affordable perspective. Because you know, when they closed down the African Canadian Legal Clinic, like a lot of people didn't get access to resources to help them with their legal services. You know what I mean? It's much easier for me to work contingent or to work pro bono doing legal work than it is, for example, with my events company. I will be honest, right? But I have no problem, you know, talking to somebody and saying, you know what? Um, you know, if you, if, if you can just tell me like what your financial struggles are, or you're being transparent about what your struggles, like what, like your affordability, we can come up with payment plans. We can do different things. You know what I mean? Um, there's difference between a need and a want, obviously. And for example, events, it's, it's a want. It's not, it's not necessarily a need. Whereas my legal services, that's a need. Like, you know what I mean? That that's something that I feel like we need access to. We need to do that. And I just believe that we need to encourage people to stick within their budgets. Like sometimes it's just, it's not something you have to have. Like sometimes you got to be realistic about what you're trying to consume. And I just, I'm, and again, discounts is not the issue. It's the way that people go about trying to acquire the discount, right? Because I'm always trying to find somebody that's like, hey, let's, let's do this. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that, you know, giving those things, I'm always having promotions. I'm always doing different things. Like, you know, people don't really like the mailers and the emails and different type of stuff, but I try to do that. Just kick it off to this one. Um, have you ever felt apprehensive about your ethnicity in your marketing when targeting new customers? Okay, I see Jamila's like, no. <laughs> I see Sammy like, yes. Dwayne is like, yeah. Okay. I'm going to kick it off to Jam. Go ahead. I am 100% unapologetically Black. Other businesses don't ever second guess themselves. When you go into stores like Oceans, for example, their cash registers are the same people. They sell our products. They don't, they don't, like, it's just not something I think about. Like, we, um, we struggle with people seeing the value in our stuff. You know what I mean? So that is why in now today's marketing and like just currently, I think it's important for people to know that it is black owned and operated. You know what I mean? Because I, we're, 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 we're often sold short. Like, I think that it's important for people to understand that like, we're just as good as the Italians. We're just as, as good as the other races and ethnicities that are in the industries that we are in. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and to be honest, diversity in what we do is present but we often are at the bottom of it. We're often like overlooked and uh, passed over and I, I'm tired of that. So I, I'll black everything, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> I think for me, um, mine is, 
Okay, it falls under this uh, question that you're asking, but mine is different in a sense where I'll give you an example. Let's just say if you go to a Jamaican restaurant, right? You know you're going there and the service is going to be a certain way. So either they're not going to have no oxtail by 5 p.m., no rice, no this, no that. So what, what, how I kind of spin that off on mine is that I just don't want to ever come off that way, right? So for example, with my juice business being a tropical Caribbean like juice bar, um, I'm always so like not necessarily worried, but I, I want my thing to look a certain way. I don't want to come off as how, for example, some of the Jamaican restaurants would come off where you're greeted by the mean cashier lady who looks like she hates her life and hates her job. Um, you know, there's not, you know, there's no this or a certain product at a certain time. So for me, I want to come off, I guess, as a certain way. I, I hear Sam's point, though. I think it's more so Sam's connection or experiences that he's trying to, like, disassociate from or rather present like a new experience if that makes sense yeah um we have like uh we already have a certain rep about us regardless whether it's we're always or we're not prepared or we're not this we're not that so from my experiences of dealing with that now i don't want to ever do that you know they always say take your past experiences and learn from that I've tried to learn from that. So for me now, when it comes to like a food festival, for example, right? I try to show up on time with my my food truck, try to make sure our products are stocked in the truck, try to make sure, you know, we're good on what we have and we're not running out at a certain moment of time, right? Well, not trying to call up other food trucks that are Caribbean. I've seen them come three hours late to a festival. I've seen them, you're at a weekend long festival and you guys don't have any more this or any more that. Well, so it's not professional, right? So we're just continuing to obviously give that name we're just proving them right. You know what I'm saying? That name that they already have for us, we're continuing to just prove them right, right? So I just kind of want to obviously change the narrative on how Black businesses are operated. You know what I mean? And yes, we are a Black business. We're going to keep that Black face, but we're not operated like what you think we are. Love that. I, I think it's very important for us to think about different mindsets and what progression looks like and evolution looks like. Because why that person might be late could be for a lot of the different reasons that I just mentioned about access, about vulnerabilities and whatnot. And, and therefore, that's not an excuse for them. But as, as millennials, as gen, whatever, how can we evolve, right? So I think that's what I'm feeling from Sam. Go ahead, Jimmy Land Duane. Sorry, I just wanted to cut in because I get you. I get what you're saying. I completely sympathize with that. So like those derogatory and like negative stereotypes, like I definitely don't want to come across as that when I, you know, present my business, but that's simple. Like that's just a matter of being on time. Like, you know what I mean? Granted, like accessibility and different things do hinder that for certain people, but professionalism for me is is sticky. Like I hate that word to so to speak because professionalism is a standard that is predicated on like European ways of doing things. Like, you know what I mean? And so to say that like, you know, Yes, a lot of the times we we run fashionably late for things, right? But not all Black people do that. So that's how I think. I think like, well, I'm the Black person that doesn't run late. I'm on time. You know what I mean? So I never limit myself to those stereotypes. Yes, I've been late to things. But the whole thing is like, in terms of how I present my business, I present my business professionally. And my professional looks this way, right? But the face, like, I, I just, I, I, I want, I want to make it known that like, I am the face. I am this. I, and you know what I mean? That face is black. That face comes from this heritage. That face, you know what I mean? Like the, keeping those things, um, you know, present is very important to me. Like, like I'm rebranding Belle Noir and like even the color scheme that I'm going to be going with, like different things. Like they're, they're, it's not in your face, like, yeah, black power and all this other stuff, but like unconsciously it's there. It's going to be present and there. And like, 
you're you're gonna know like it's gonna be subconscious like you're not going to like yeah so like i get what sam's saying and i understand that perspective but like professionalism is one of those words that especially working in the legal field that i I struggle with because like you know professionalism to to some people looks like it's so it's it's very vague and it depends on like for example people might say a head wrap is not professional thank you right my hair not professional because i have bantu knots or whatever and it could be seen from the european gaze or from the afro gaze as well right like but again that's a lot of more digging sorry girl i didn't mean to like but you're saying some key stuff and i i almost feel like it it goes into the whole respectability politics too but anyways go ahead girl continue just just to wrap it up because i could talk for hours but yes like for me like I never want to be boxed into this like idea of like we have to operate a certain way or come across a certain way like I want to be free in how I express myself through my business and so you know sometimes I might roll up to an event with my hair tied up and I don't want the customer to look at me and be like oh like you know like girl like where's the weave you know (laughs) I don't want it to be like that I want that to be normalized I want that look and my presentation to be normalized as professional you know what I mean? Again, go into details, but I've had clients that I've had to go to the human rights tribunal for because they were dismissed from work for having their hair in a bun. Like th- those are the type of nonsense that I want to break going forward when we operate our businesses. Like when people see us in our natural states, whether we're wearing our afros or we have in the, the bundles, it's it, 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 both are acceptable. So that's all. You know, I love that. I love brother. that. Okay, we need to do better on those things in the restaurants, but overall business as a whole, we need to represent. So Jamila, you're saying like we need to decolonize our professionalism, professional standards, and we need to decolonize our time, which is not the first time. uh, That's not, and that's not something that I made up. That's actually someone, something that I got from Larissa Crawford, who is an Afro-Indigenous woman, who's talking about decolonizing her time and that when, we need to understand that time is sacred and it's not at the standards that was put a place on us as what we, you know, tend to understand now. So that's what you're telling me is giving me those vibes. All right. So essentially when I was starting my business, I actually went through this issue in my head because I'm starting a clothing brand. Right. So when I was starting this, I was like, do I make the face of this clothing brand black? That was a big issue I had. And I don't know how long you guys have, if you guys have ever looked at my stuff, but for the first year of my company, I honestly didn't show my face. It was all just me trying to build the actual brand before myself. Because what I didn't want to run into with my business is I didn't want them to see the black face and right away, those stereotypes we're talking about be cast on my business before they even know what my business is. So while I, 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 I kept the face black, but I kept the person under wraps until I, until I built the, the respect of the name. And then I kind of came out like, hey, it's a black. And this is even for the people who don't support our culture. What I was almost trying to show them is don't judge a book by its cover. You may like the brand, but you don't like the people. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you like the brand first and then show you that you actually like the people. Interesting. 
I really can add something to that before mm-hmm. we go. go ahead, um, I was listening to something the other day. It was like a podcast and this, uh, he was a black entrepreneur and he was talking about like through success, like he's multimillionaire now, but he was saying that um, with black people and it's more so our culture, it's like some of us, uh, it's like the higher we get into the rankings and the higher stature we get is like the more white we're expected to act. And it kind of falls along with what Jamil was saying. Like, you know what I mean? Some of us think like, as soon as we get higher up now, we got to start uh, talking white or we got to dress a certain way or we got to, you know, put on a certain accent. Like, oh, hey, I'm Tom, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's so true because I've seen it. It's like, I've seen guys who've gotten to certain standards as black people and now they're high up, but they don't necessarily act like they're black anymore. It's weird. Like if they're in a certain setting, they have to put on this front, like they're more white than they are black. And I think it's so important that we stay true to who we are, you know what I mean? And stay true to, because this is what you're going to get. At the end of the day, what made this business so successful was not me acting white. It was me just being who I am, you know what I mean? And I don't feel like I need to step in a room full of uh, non-colored people and act a certain way now just because I'm at that level, right? So that kind of goes along with what he was saying. It's like, we just need to show our face. Like, we are a brand. And, you know, once it gets successful, the same black face is the same face that made it successful. So, yeah, just wanted to add that in. Strong. I can add one more little little. Go on, girl. Go on. <laughs> okay, I back, I read the Forty Eight Laws of Power when I was maybe first year at university. Right, one of the Forty Eight Laws says, "Your reputation precedes you. Guard it with your life." So, like, reputation is everything. We live in a very digital, visual era. You know what I mean? Back in the days, like, you had to send out flyers to build your brand and your business, right? So, if you're already posting pictures of quality work, that is your reputation right there. You know what I mean? Your branding has to include you. I, I, um, I'm a part of uh, like a sorority, which is called New Girls on the Block, right? And, you know, when I was working with the branding coach, she was saying to me, like, people want to connect to you. So branding, they want to see your face. They have to see your face. You know, we're, we're not dealing with these large conglomerates. Like, again, I go back to Googles of the world, the Walmarts, et cetera. We don't, we, we don't know any of those people personally and all that other stuff. Like, when we think of Walmart, we think of our local shop and the manager, maybe. You know what I mean? We know who owns Walmart. We know who owns Amazon. We know all that stuff, right? But when, when you talk about Jeff Bezos and, and you know, your, uh, what's his name? You, you guys know all the people right now. Like, I can't off the top of my head, right? Um, plus, I'm not trying to give them any more plug, but when you when you when you think of those people right they're part of the branding you know them because they speak for the company physically right it's just it's one thing to to be like yes you're selling a product and all that other stuff but people want to connect with the face you know what i mean i learned about like appealing to people's emotions you know what i mean i'm a mom people love that story they love like you're a hard-working mother who makes no excuses business owner taking care of how many kids plus going to school plus working plus cooking plus you know what i mean they love that and i think it's very important as black people we sell that as well you know what i mean people need to connect to our blackness that's that's a problem they're not connecting to the blackness and that's why it's very important to me to be at the forefront and they see all this melanin and like yes girl come through like (laughs) and that speaks for the business because it's basically saying this black girl can do it too so come on brothers don't be afraid we got this (laughs) Yes, I love the energy. I love the energy. So, one more thing to touch on, Jamila. Go I understand ahead. what you're saying, Jams, but it's, it's more so, well, in my approach, in my approach to keeping it quiet for a year was more so to just build the brand itself. Like, 
the blinds are always, always going to be black. You know what I mean? But it's like, sometimes your reputation might get something started, but because your reputation is your reputation, you might not actually have anything. You know what I mean? So I feel by taking that year to basically start marketing my business, just the name, because I just started with just the name and hats, right? So I feel like building up that hype. And then in the second year now, now you're starting to see my face as the brand. Do you know how ever since I did that, so many people have been like, yo, I've heard of West End Exchange. That's you, that's you, that's you. And it's almost gratifying to mesh both. You know what I mean? Your research and your thought process with your reputation. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, I want sustainability. I want my business to sustain itself. Even though I, my reputation is my business, I don't want it to skew my business. You know what I mean? Coming no, that there. makes sense. That makes sense, Dwayne. And I think um, what Dwayne is tapping into, um, and, and this is no disrespect to anybody, um, but this is just getting a little bit more gritty to this whole conversation about what the lived experience is as an entrepreneur, as a business person. And the reality is this, there is code switching. We code switch to survive. So, um, you know, Shari turns into Sherry real quick. And, <laughs> and, and you gotta figure out what, what's really good. And, and this is evolving. Let's be, let's be compassionate and let's be understanding of the landscape that we are on and what we're trying to build on very rocky, rocky territory. Um, and then I will also say this, that, um, um, Dwayne, please like, feel free to stay strong with what you're saying about your approach, because there was something that triggered that for you to maneuver that way. So okay. you are literally assessing the space that you're in to say, this is my movement. This is the direction yeah. I have to go because it's not because I just want to go this way. It's because the environment that I am in is projecting me to move this way. This is why my trajectory is as such. And if it wasn't for, and, and, and I'm gonna say this because like I said, we wanna keep it straight North. We wanna keep it, we wanna represent for the black North. But the reality is this, that we, and Joanne says this all the time, we look at our neighbors down South. We look at the American and how they're operating to kind of influence us. And unfortunately it was the unfortunate death of George Floyd that now the whole world opened up socially and COVID and, and, and all of a sudden people notice black people, people notice that certain groups are in need. Oh, we need to diversify our, our boardrooms. Oh, we need that, that black events prayer. Oh my goodness. Like, like, but, but we've always been there. Sam's juices has always been there. West End, West End exchange has always been there. Bellinor events has always been there. Why weren't you knocking then? So we let's not um, make this seem like a fairy tale because we know that all three of you are operating under like extreme circumstances currently because of the white gaze and, and also of how our society is shifting. So I wanna put that out there that a lot of the decisions that you're making and what I'm hearing is you literally navigating through it all. Through the rebel. Exactly, sorry. To say, honestly, I appreciate this conversation and this portion in particular, because I remember the days when I would apply for jobs and I would say, like, I can't wear my natural hair to an interview. Right. I remember those days, like, and those things, because I have children, like, and I think, 
you know, me having children really made me more hardcore now because it's like, yo, my children are not going to go through this. And if they do go through this, they're going to have alternate avenues. Like, you know what I mean? They're not going to be pressed to work for nobody. Like they're going to come work for me, like before they work for anybody, you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of mentality. And I think for sure, I understand 100% and I empathize with you doing on that. I sympathize with that because I remember being there. I remember saying like, even with Belle Noir, like, it took me a long time to post my own picture, a part of the branding, because I'm just like, you know, like, you know, like stereotype me. But then I got very quickly shaped, shifted from that because it's like, it's, it's important. It, I'm important to the business. Like, you know what I mean? And like, I was just going to say, had I had known that you were Western exchange and you did Y pre I buy, buy the stuff from time. I buy, I am the, I am that girl. Like I wear my friend's clothing. I wear like, you know what I mean? Like I will spend the hundred dollars. No problem. You know what I mean? But I did, I literally didn't know who, who it was. And I seen it. I'm like, oh, it's cute. Whatever. You know what I mean? But I get it. I get what you're saying. But people appeal to that emotion. But again, what works for you doesn't always work for other people. And so that's just my opinion on that. But that's like, I get it. I understand that 100%. Okay. Honestly, oh, Delay, you got something to say? Yeah. Okay. I just want to touch on what Jamila said. Like, and to be honest, ever since this second year, me coming out and being the face of that brand, it has me wondering why I didn't do it from the get-go. You know what I mean? But at the same time... Yeah, because you be looking fly, boo. You yeah. be looking like a... Like a snack. <laughs> but, but, like, at the same time, I wouldn't change it, man. I, I don't change... I would never change experience. And I'll never change processes because you learn from all of them, man. Never a loss. Always a lesson. You feel me? Without a doubt, without a doubt. Thank you so much. Yo, honestly, there's so many questions now you don't even know. And there's so many things in my mind that I want to touch on. Like, it's crazy, but I feel like if I do touch on these, like, we're just going to continue on. So I'm going to have to wrap this conversation up, y'all, because <laughs> we're going to have to end it off on this last question. What is one thing you wish you knew before you started your own business? Um, I'll touch on that first um one thing i wish i knew is that i didn't need anybody's validation you know what i mean um i felt like i went through the whole first couple years thinking that i need my parents' approval i need my partner's approval i need my homie's approval i need girls approval but in all, in all reality you don't need anybody's approval you don't need no validation from anybody if you truly believe in your in your vision and everything that you have planned for yourself and what you want to accomplish in these businesses and everything that you're doing, you just gotta you just gotta follow your heart. You don't need anybody to say, okay, yeah, Sam, that's gonna be a great idea. Uh, yeah, Jam, that's gonna be a great idea. Oh, you know, yeah, we love your clothing line, so you gotta keep going. No, you don't need any of that. If you truly believe in your dream, um, you don't need validation. And that's one thing I, I was stuck on so much. I felt like I didn't have enough people around me saying, yes, 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 go for it, go for it. Or I wouldn't do something unless I asked one of my friends. And if they said yes then I would move ahead with it. But if I didn't get the right answers, I was just like, ah, maybe I'll wait. And there's a lot of opportunities I passed up on because I was waiting for validation and, and, and I didn't get it. Or I, I asked people and because they didn't, um, you know, understand what I was trying to do. Uh, they, you know, said no. So one thing I can always say is that no one knows your vision better than you. You know what I'm saying? God put your vision in your mind and in your head because that's your vision. It wasn't meant for other people to understand, right? It wasn't meant for other people to validate. So if I could tell anybody that and myself that again, is that you don't need no validation. That's it. <laughs> that's dope. Thank you. Like, that's dope. Love that energy. 
extremely helpful. Anyone else like anything to add? Um, that was a really good one. That would have been my first one. Um, I would say, don't think you need all this money in the world to get started. You know what I mean? Like with the right timing and like, you know, a couple hundred dollars, you can make a lot happen. One, you can register your business. Two, you can build a solid business plan. And three, you can get it popping. Like, like honestly, a lot of things that hindered me was I didn't have money at the time or I, my money was allocated to something else. And I just kind of was like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that in a couple of months. I'm going to do that in a couple of weeks or whatever the case may be. Like, no, get started. And when you get started, like full speed ahead, you know what I mean? Keep through it. Like failures are going to come. Obstacles are going to come, but that's just a part of the process. You know what I mean? And don't quit your day job. <laughs> Don't do it <laughs> until you know <laughs> that you can make the same amount of money that your day job gives you. Um, don't quit. Keep that job. Stay on that pension plan until you can do it yourself. Right. That's a fact. Yeah. And I, I'll wrap it up with um, our panelists. So thank you, Jam, for sharing that. Uh, Dwayne. Yeah. Check. Mic check. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so basically Jamila and Sammy, man, like they covered everything, man. <laughs> like you know what I mean? There's, there's like other than you don't need that much money, you don't need the validation. Like one thing I wish I knew, and this is I don't know if Sammy and uh Jamila have the same situation, but technology and how verse and how extensive this online platform is in terms of marketing, geolocation ads and all of this crazy technology and how focused people are on technology. I wish I knew it was that deep. Cause me, like I dabble in a social media here and there, but I'm not in it. Like, you know what I mean? When I say dabble, I mean dabble, you know what I mean? Like a little dabble, but it's like, once I got my own business and I'm trying to get out there and I'm trying to promote, it's like you almost have to get into that world. And that world is deep. <laughs> that is like a constant learning curve. Every day you're learning something, you know what I mean? So I just wish I knew how big technology is and what I'm trying to do, you know what I mean? You don't have to be, this is one thing I would tell the young people, you don't have to be someone's employee before you can be your own boss. That's it. Right. Right, 100%, 100%. There are so many key things that I heard each and every one of you say. And at the end of the day, what shows up for each and every one of you is your relentless work, like your relentless efforts and just like, just keeping to your vision and not stopping. It takes relentless energy to like continue on to your vision and block out the noise. So thank you so, so much so that we could hear your challenges, your successes, your learning curves, um, and also what you have to offer as advice to like the ones coming up behind us. Um, I can't wait to see like five years from now, you know, just the growth, like it's gonna be real, it's gonna be tremendous. It's going to be on a different level. I just want to say thank you and Shari for this platform and thank you guys for being brave enough to kind of create this space for us and to create a dialogue that, you know, is going to shift the culture forward and um, is positive. You know what I mean? We need positivity in our community with all the craziness going on in the world. We need to 
we need to uplift each other. We need to be building, and this is the, how we do it. So That's thank you it. for that. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sam, thank you. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Unpack dialogues. Thank you, guys, <laughs> for having us. Definitely. It was amazing. It's been a pleasure and an honor to share this space with all of you. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, man. To so much more success. Deep bow of love to each and every one of you. And uh, yeah, man, we appreciate you. So thank you so, so much for that. <laughs>